Thank you for choosing this Dream Center podcast. Don't forget to subscribe for further updates. Starting in this place. It started a long time ago. It didn't start last week. Hello? It didn't start last week. If you plough a field and keep ploughing a field and then another farmer comes along and sows seed, he can't sow seed unless your field's been worked on. So when Pastor Peter and Karen came and sowed seeds into our, into our uh, garden, our field, it's fertile. We're fertile. We've labored to keep this atmosphere open. Amen? And uh, it was wonderful having them, a, breath, a breath of fresh air. And uh, I can't think of many people who have been such a joy to this house. And we've had quite a few over the years, but, or maybe not so the recent years, but what a breath of fresh air there was. And our relationship with them will only grow stronger. They send their greetings to you. And uh, they've got my cold. I imparted it into them before they left. So now a little piece of England has been taken back to Australia. And, uh, but they, they really did enjoy the time. And I think we'll have a crossing over. I think the churches will, will do a lot of uh, life together. Now, I think one of their ladies, it should have been here this week. She's coming next week. She's in England, so she'll come. Claire, she's got your phone, by the way. She's bringing a phone back for us. Um, in case you wonder where it is, now you know where it is. Uh, this girl, Sarah Scruton, is going to bring it for us. And uh, I don't think they're flying her over just for your phone, so don't get... But she will bring a phone. And uh, I think we'll, you know, we're talking of sending some of our guys over there. Um, but I, I think it's, it's, it's serious as a, a good relationship we have with the two churches. Australia's a long way. So... And what, that part of Australia, uh, they're out about an hour outside of Melbourne. There's not a lot to see other than kangaroos. They said to Phil and I, do you want to go and see sightseeing? We said, no. He said, you want to go and see some kangaroos? We said, no. Why? I came here for a purpose. Now, if you're on holiday, holiday's your purpose. But uh, if you're going to go to Australia for a holiday, maybe that, that part of Melbourne is not the place to go. You know? Uh, but anyway, it's still a wonderful place, and they're wonderful people, without a doubt. Anyway, let's come around a word. You know, in, in previous years gone by, in previous years gone by, when people have left churches, and as people have left churches, very often the pastor who's left there has often turned around in his, in, in, in his, uh, his defense or his, his embarrassment or whatever. And he often uses this phrase, well, God's clearing the church out. God's purging the church and he's getting rid of a load of people. And like, because he stayed, he's the righteous one. They all left, so they're the dead legs, but the one who stayed was the righteous one. Or the people say that. The people say, when, you, when you're talking about to, other, to other people about their church, well, you know, God's just clearing out. Anybody ever heard that? God's clearing out the dead wood. Well, that's a wonderful way to speak about your brothers and sisters, isn't it? They're dead wood, get them out, burn them. You know, but here's the difference. Why should God have to keep clearing out his church? Why can't he clean it up? Why does everything have to be a clear out? Why can't we clean up? Now, in cleaning up, sometimes you do clear out, especially at home. You know, I'm wild at that. If it's not been used, not been, you know, it's been stood there, been it, everything goes. And then six months later, you might look for it, but I think, ah, tough. At least it was out the house for six months. But... I don't believe God has to keep clearing out. I believe it's time for the Holy Ghost to clean up. And as he cleans up, he cleans our lives. 
It cleans our thoughts, our attitudes, our indisciplines, our, uh, you know, attitudes and all those kind of things. The Holy Spirit is, is, is moving upon his church. How many of you believe that? I really do believe that. And many, many churches today have organized the church so tight that they've got ceremony or they've got programs, they've got provision, they've got things that are blessing people, but there's no room for the Holy Ghost to move. You know, I go to some churches and and there's a big clock at the back and it's counting down. Now, there's a clock. There's nothing wrong with a clock in a church. But when the whole meeting's governed to the clock, you know, when it goes down and you say, well, I've got to finish now because uh, the time's gone. Now, I believe in, we don't, there has to be an element of time, don't get me wrong. But at the same time, if I'm looking to the clock every week, and then I've got 15 or 10 minutes of church advertisements, you know, then how can the Holy Spirit ever arrest his church? How can it ever really be God's church? Come on. How can it ever really be God's church? If something is God's, that means he owns it. And he just doesn't own it by name. He's got to own it by deeds. He's got to own it by possession. He's got to own it by you giving him the church and, and me giving the church. And very often the pastors are the worst because the pastors control everything. They set the tone. But you know, God is looking for his church back. Now, if we're going to be that church that we are longing to, to be and he's longing to be, then you and I have to give him room. Well, only the, only the front people at the front are saying amen. Yeah, we really do. I mean... I would rather, I would rather people leave because we want the Holy Ghost and we want God's, God to move rather than, than God leave because we won't let him move. Would you not? And so many men say it's God's church, but they've got the keys to the door. They've got the keys to everything. God can't move. So in some cases, God has to move the man on. He has to clear him out. So the next guy can come in and he can bring the move of the Holy Ghost into the church. Because I don't want the Holy Ghost leaving because he says, I can't get in here. You know, we, we just cannot afford to have that. It's God's church. It's God's house. God says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, if God, if God is going to say, if the gates of hell, I cannot prevail it. Only God can build it. If you build it, the gates of hell won't prevail, will prevail. But if he builds it, now how does he build it? He builds it through us. We know that, but by us following him and his word. So he uses us. Yes, he uses us, but we're doing what he's telling us to do. So we become obedient vessels. Yes, so that's why we follow his word. We listen to what he's saying. We do it as, he, as required. When God, when, when God told it in the Old Testament, he said, build me a, a tabernacle. He was very, very specific how it was built. And he was very meticulous. This has got to be done this way with this, the right colours in it. So much stitching's got to be done. The gold's got to be just overlaid like this. The design's got to be like that. And you're thinking, God, you're fussy. And he says, absolutely I'm fussy. Yeah. It's my house. Yeah. Now, very often, it's no use building God a house and saying, you're going to like it. And God says, go on, go on, go on. What have you got? What have you built for me? You turn it around and he goes, no, you're going to like it. Ready or not, we'll just hang on there. And then we present it to him and he goes... But that's not what I wanted. Yeah, but that's, you know, we've really built it good. But that's not what I wanted. Because he's just going to say this. Is, it, is that the pattern? Did you build it according to that? Well, no, but we thought you'd like this. He says, I didn't ask you to think. I asked you to obey. 
They're the pattern. That's the pattern. Build according to the pattern. I've shown you. And he kept telling Moses, build according to the pattern I've shown you. Build according to the pattern I've shown you. And that's when he says to Peter, Peter, you ain't going to build the church. I'm going to build it through you, but you're not going to build it. I'm going to build it through you. I'm going to tell you how to build it and what to say and what to do and where to go. Does that sound like a good deal, Peter? Okay, I'm in. And it's the same today. So the moment men get hold of the church, the Holy Spirit says, I'm not going to be welcome here much. I can see it. So I'll just hang around on the peripheries. And some days they let him in, some days they don't. And then, then there comes a day when they stop letting him in. And they call it Church of God. And then he says, you know, it's, the Father says, can we go down there? And the Holy Ghost says, no, they won't let us in. What do you mean they won't let us in? It's our church. No, no, not now it's not. They've given it to someone else. So I'm mindful of the fact that we cannot give that kind of leverage to people. People do not run church. God runs his church. But people are in charge in the sense of responsibilities. Yes, we're given responsibilities, calls, giftings and things like that. But God's church, it's God's church always must be. Because the moment it's not God's church, we'll shut down. God will shut it down. Or he'll let us go our own way until each man runs out of steam. And then the last person will have to close the door and, shut and turn the light off. Yeah, and we don't want that. In Galatians 5, those, so in Galatians 5 verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus, it says, have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, who do we live by? The Holy Ghost. He said, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. The urge of the hour is to keep in step with the Spirit. Now, if you only open your Bible once a week, or you only talk to God maybe once a week, that's hardly keeping in step with the Spirit. Come on, be honest with yourself. If you went to work one day a week, and then you, at the end of the week, you, you turn up for your money, what do you think they tell you? Jog on. That's it. Don't come back Monday. We did not, we've not employed you one day a week. We employed you five days a week. Your soul belongs to us <laughs> for five days a week. Now, you and I both understand. When we talk monetary terms, we understand responsibility. Do we not? We understand the need for providing for our families. We understand money. Everybody understands money, yes? But when it comes to spiritual, spirituality, we think we can play. We think we can risk. We think we can ignore don't we? Because we don't see the immediate uh, consequences. But the Bible says, first, spiritual death, then physical death. So when things go wrong, they go wrong first spiritually, which then affects the physical. It's not the physical first. When you see the physical going wrong, it's, it's an indication that the spiritual situation in that person's life has lapsed. Always remember that. Spirit first. And the Bible says that when, you know, when, when we give, when we're tempted and, we, and we, we go down that path, there's a spiritual consequence first. Something is killed within us. And the Spirit says, I can't hang around it. I've got to go. If you're going to tolerate this kind of behavior, you're going to, deal, you're going to constantly allow this thing into your heart. I am going to go. Now, last week in our, in our meetings, 
Oh, last week, the week before, wasn't it? Yes, the week before. The week before, in our meetings, the Holy Ghost had a real good... I should say, let me rephrase it. The Holy Spirit had an open house. First of all, some of you were checking it out. And that's okay. That's okay. Nothing wrong with that. Checking him out. Checking it out. Checking her out. She's strange. She's an Aussie. She speaks strange. And, uh, and he thought the same about you. You know, you, you kind of get that, all right, no, none of that nasally kind of stuff, but they speak different than us. But so first of all, you go, well, I'm not sure. And then they start, you started seeing the Holy Ghost move. And then you're thinking, well, I'm not sure about that. And on the first night, you could see it was really interesting to watch your faces. You'll always get the, you know, the, the front runners. The front runner says, I want it all. And then you always get the middle crowd that says, well, I'll see how it works on him. And if it looks all right on him, I might consider it. You know, is the water hot? Is it, well, oh, it's lovely in here. Get in. And you, then you go and you're going, whoa, I'm not quite sure. And there's only one way to get in, isn't there? Just get straight in. And then you get those at the back. It doesn't matter. They're always, in, when I say in the back, I don't mean necessarily geographically at the back. It's where in your heart you're at the back. You sat there and you're thinking, these look a right bunch of wallies. They told me this might happen in here someday. And now it's happening. They've all gone freaky. People are falling on the floor. People are shaking. Andy's, Andy's laughing. <laughs> all kinds of things are happening. Big people are going down. Big Z's going down. Big Chris is going down. Little Andy and Phil can't catch the pasta. All kinds of things are going on. It was like Keystone Cops, wasn't it? I go, they're both like that. And if I'm going right, they're like that. And all of a sudden, people are looking at the back and they're thinking, what a bunch of nutters. But then the Holy Ghost keeps moving and moving and he's generous, he comes to you. And even though he knows what, you, what you're hearing, even though, so should, even though he, 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 he uh, can hear what you're saying, I should say, that's what I wanted to say. Even though he can hear what you're saying, he's still merciful to you. And he comes to you and he says, can we go that place? And you go, oh, go, go, go. And you feel him, you think you should have resist, resist, resist. And then you let go and then bang. And then you go, oh, it was nice. Oh, it was nice. I'll have another go tomorrow. And on tomorrow you come in, you go, give it me, I want the flipping lot. True? And there's all these kind of sifting process. And some, some of you want to fall dignified. Yes, let me adjust my tie before I fall down. Make sure I'm, my attire is all nice and neat. And so when I fall, I'll fall in a wonderful kind of way. That's why we have catchers. They will look after you. They will put you in the resting place of God. They will not let your head hit the floor. Phil and I went to a meeting on the Saturday. David was with us. And the pastor, Peter's pastor. <laughs> oh, it was funny. It was funny. The pastor, Pastor Peter's praying for some people and this guy stands up and he's got his hands up and the pastor's got his hands in his pocket and he turns around, as he turns around, the guy goes, dink. Just falls on the floor. He starts laughing and I'm on the front row and I'm thinking, shut up, shut up, shut up, stop laughing. And then all I can see, I looks across and I see Andy's shoulders doing that. <laughs> laughing his head off. And I'm trying to keep my face straight, you know, like a dignified man of God would. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> it was so funny watching this guy at the floor. And uh, it was good job they had a carpet. So 
David says to me, we need a carpet in church. I said, no, if you catch right, you don't need them. <laughs> That's the model of the story. Catch right, lay them to the side. Put them in the recovery position. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's wonderful to see lives being open and the Holy Ghost can come in and touch. But guys, we've got to have more of the Holy Ghost. You know, it really woke me up to the point, to the fact that uh, we were going good and we are going good. But then it really opened me up to the presence more and more. How much more we need the Holy Spirit in our meetings. You know, when our lives are touched like this, we're never going to be the same again. And, you know, I, I sent an email out and I asked some people, would they give testimonies? And I only got a few back. And that's fine because sometimes people are processing and they don't know what's quite fully yet some people got blessed they they went down the spirit and they got up again but they don't know what's changed but something has and that's okay if you can't put your finger on it but i asked a few and some people got back to me so dave why don't you come and share what happened with you so i'm going to preach this morning and we're going to we're going to interject it with testimony is that okay okay go dave um most of you know i've been in the church pretty much all my life um and so i've taken a lot of the stuff that god does for granted all the miracles and things like that that it does. Um, I've just sort of grown up with it and lived with it. Um, and then a few months ago, I felt God speak to me, but I sort of just put it to one side, didn't really take it in or follow it through or anything like that. And then when Pete spoke over the words that he spoke over me, I just felt the Holy Spirit come into me and just stay inside me this time. Whereas in the past, I've always been touched by the Holy Spirit and then, gone home and then just lived the week and then come back the following Sunday. Whereas this time it was more, it hit me and it stayed in me. And ever since that first, that Wednesday night, I've just felt it, the whole spirit's been inside me the whole time. Even when I'm in work, just when I'm talking to other people, I can feel it just inside me. I think that's how it's affected me and everyone else in our house as well, the kids and and Lisa. um, It's just, the fact that it's stayed inside me this time and I've managed to catch it and hold it rather than just catch it for that one moment and then let it go. So that's what it's done. You know, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, the Holy Ghost used to come and it used to come on you, rest upon you for a specific task, work or assignment. But in the New Testament, the Bible says that we have the Holy Ghost indwelling within us. But then there are times when the Holy Spirit comes and we get a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. Yeah? And it's so encouraging to see young men like David getting zapped, so to speak, with the Holy Spirit. Please don't think for one minute. Please, please, please. Hear my heart. Do not think for one minute. It's just for young people. You know, this boy, this man, has been in church all his life. He has seen men come, men go. Moves come, moves go. And here, it's so difficult sometimes when you, for young people who have grown up in church. You know, it's not like David could sit around and say, I, I, I was, once I was lost. And God pulled me back from a wayward life. He's, he's been raised in church. But that didn't make him a Christian. You know, you can, you can put, uh, raise a cat in a church. It doesn't make it a Christian. Come on. You can raise a dog or a cat in a church. No. There comes a point when someone has to have a confession of their faith and acknowledge that they need Christ. And you can be around church things for so long that you're convinced that you're one of them. Yeah. 
But there has to come a moment when the Holy Spirit speaks to you and enlightens you to the point that you need a saviour. He's talking about you. It's not just about everyone else no more. It's about you. And, and David, to see David getting filled with the Holy Ghost like this, and, and in his testimony he's saying that, you know, when, when I'm talking, I can feel my, I feel my body shaking. That's still the fire of the Holy Ghost inside him. Now, guess what? He is, is a candidate for fire exchange. He's carrying fire. When the Holy Ghost hits you like this, it's such a powerful thing that the power of God rests in you. Now, if you don't do anything with it, guess what? He eventually dissipates. But if you do something with the Holy Ghost, when I, when I got filled and I was baptized with the Holy Spirit, I literally burned inside. I was like fire all inside me. And I was so drunk in the Holy Ghost, it filled and the guys had to carry me out of the meeting. Literally carry me out of the meeting. When the fire of God hits you, it's such an awesome feeling. It really is. And your legs just go, ooh, jelly, jelly fine. And people say, well, I can't do that. I'm dignified. Okay, God, God likes hitting dignified people as well. And it's, it's, it's an amazing thing to see a young man like that. And he says, and my family's being affected. And I'm keeping it when I'm in work. I can feel him in me. See, it's not an it, it's a him. The Holy Ghost is, is inside him. And he's, the Holy Ghost is inside you. And he's reminding you, hey, let me out today. Let me speak today. Let me work today. Let me act in your life today. And it's such a powerful thing to hear the Holy Ghost say this. So David now has got to learn to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit wants to do things. And David's now got to bring his will in, in line with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit says we go right, we go right. And if he says we go left, we go left. And if he says speak to that man, David has to speak to that man. If he says lay hands on that man, that fire that's in David will just leap out. So it's not just getting in touch with the Holy Ghost, it's learning to work with the Holy Ghost. Yes? So keeping his step means doing what he's doing. Yes? Allow him to do what he is doing. Don't expect God to follow what you're doing. Follow what the Holy Ghost is doing. And as you find what the Holy Ghost is doing, you'll find you'll get the results of the Holy Ghost. Yes? Speak what he's saying, build what he's building, do what he's doing. And how do you do that? Just by every day you fellowship with him. Every day you fellowship with him, you say, Lord, reveal your Holy Ghost to me today more and more. Holy Spirit, let me know your mind. Because the Holy Spirit will reveal to you the mind and the will of the Father and the Son. The Spirit of God listens to what the Father and the Son say. He takes their words and makes them known to you. So that you are constantly, 24-7, have got a live update of what the throne room is declaring and saying for your life. Isn't that wonderful? You don't have to say, well, at the end of the day, I'll, I'll, whoops, I'll dial into the machine and see what they said today. No, no, you can receive what they're saying, not what they said. So much of what the church is preaching today is what God said. But I want to know what God's saying and what he's doing, and how he's moving, and who he's moving with. Because I want to align myself with that move. The Holy Spirit's moving. If you move with the Holy Spirit, you've got the same move. Very often we want to do something different from what the Holy Spirit is doing, and it, and it won't come. He won't come. He's doing his thing. He's doing the will of the Father. Amen? Amen. Romans 8, verse 9 and 10. Romans chapter 8, verse 9 and 10. You, however, 
are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the spirit. If the spirit of God lives in you, and only you can answer that. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. Last week was all about quickening your spirit, making it alive, making it aware that the Holy Spirit is in this room. Is your spirit alive, church? Is your spirit alive? You know, each day I try to go before the Lord. Some days are, are good, the bad and the ugly days. You've all, we all have them. Some days we're full of praise. Other days, you know, we're full of days. Aren't we? But you know, in all of that, I have to learn to stir my own spirit. And how do I do that? By focusing and praising God. It's not about what I think or feel. It's about who God is. And when I have a relationship with a God, it's about me reminding myself who he is. Because if I get it on who I am and what's not happening for me, I expect God to put his arm around me and say, you poor soul. God works by this principle. Watch this. Some of you won't like it, but this is the principle. God doesn't always come down to where you are. He says, it's time you came to where I am. See, when you're immature, God comes to you and he gives you milk. He gives the cat the milk. Yeah? So he gives you the milk. And after a while, he says, no more milk, it's time for meat. And when it's time for meat, he now turns this way and he says, I expect you to come where I am. God can't be chasing you every day. You must keep in step with the spirit. You must follow what the father's doing. Hello? You can't expect the Holy Spirit to keep coming all the time and saying, oh, me and the father just said a word, is a saucer of milk. And this is where so many Christians... Go wrong. They expect for God to keep on feeding them milk. There's only milk for a season. We understand this in the natural. We understand this with children. Yes. And just like children, they don't always want to eat what's good for them. But you know it's good for them. True? But there comes a time then when you have to give the child food. Solid food. And there comes a time when you have to start moving from, well, you have to move from the milk into maturity. Maturity means I have to open my Bible. I have to speak with God. God has to speak with me. I have to learn to fellowship, know his heart. Know his heart. Do you want a God life or a church life? I know which one's harder and I know which one's easier. Church life is so easy. Turn up, stick your hand up when everyone else is sticking their hand up. Pull it down when everyone else is pulling their hand down. Put your hand in your pocket, make it look like you're putting something in. Pull it back. Smile at everyone. Bless them as you go home. That's called church life. Anyone can have that. But you know what they call that? A forgery. A fake. God knows your heart. So, in Romans 8, verse 12. Therefore, our brothers, sisters, we have an obligation. But it's not to the sinful nature, he says. To live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. Amen. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. But you received the spirit of sonship. And we cry, Abba, Father. So the spirit that's in you now cries out, Daddy. Daddy. I want to know you. Now, again, there's times when you put your hands out. See, maturity is putting your hands out and saying, Lord, I want, teach me your ways. 
Not just pick me up, cuddle me and cradle me. There's times for that and God will do that. But you know, sometimes, you know, it might sound a bit strange, but you know Scott doesn't ask for a cuddle anymore. <laughs> he doesn't ask for a cuddle anymore. And I'm wondering why, son, why, why is a 25-year-old boy not asking me for a cuddle anymore? Why don't he sit on my knee and, and kiss my cheek and say, Dad, Dad, I've always loved you from the day I was born. Why? Because it's not natural. He'd get a slap if he kissed me. We can have a man hug. We can have hug times. Have you noticed the older your kids get, they don't want to hug? That's weird. What's wrong with them? But it's, it's natural. You don't do that. You don't, you don't want your son all over you like that. You're thinking, grow up, be a man. True? Shake hands, son. Shake hands. It's the man thing. Go and kiss your mother. But it's, it's a natural thing to do. And that's how we should be before God. We don't always need him to cradle us. And love us and hold us in our hands. When we're weak, he might do that. True? But we can't be weak all the time. Why? Because if, you, if, you, if you're on milk every day, you'll always remain weak. But if you take mil, um, meat, the, the word, and start chewing on it, rather than just your favorite verses, you've got to start understanding some things and let the Holy Ghost teach you. Yeah? Allow us to help you. Disciple you. Train with you. Come to the empogs. Meeting places of God. Come to the man up. Go to Unleashed. Get your kids into Unleashed. Kids will learn a lot. But we have an obligation. We have an obligation. Now the Holy Spirit has moved like the way he did last week, the other week. We now have an obligation to keep him. Every one of us have an obligation to keep him. Every one of us who have been imparted with truth last week, we have an obligation not to live according to our sinful nature. We have an obligation to, to push the old nature out and take on this new nature. That is our obligation. You must do it. If you, want to, if you want Christ to remain in you and you want the seed of life to rise up and give you, give you life, health and blessing, then you must protect the seed. It's an obligation, my friends. It's a full obligation. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. This morning in our worship, we cried. We cried out, oh God, you're our father. We love you. Without you, oh God, what would we do? What would we do? You know, someone else cried out, Abba Father, last week. I'm going to ask Claire if she'll come up and give a testimony. Come on, Miss Webbs. I can be truthful now. <laughs> yeah. I read his preaching notes. Um, um, I think like many of us, it's hard to put into words what God's done, isn't it? And I tried to jot some notes down just to try and remain grounded in this morning when I was sharing this. Um, it's not that I've had a physical healing or received a new job or anything. It's just... What God's done in me is amazing. <laughs> and just to say that, that can just go over our heads and you can think, yeah, she's just hyper this morning. But um, the main thing that was spoken over to me was the word freedom. And Pastor Peter said, you know, freedom. He said, you've, you've been really hard on yourself. He said, and, and I just want to speak freedom over you. And he spoke freedom over all areas of my life. And he said, and I can see you running, but you've got shackles around your ankles as you run. And some of them are ones that I imposed on myself and some of were spiritual things. And 
And there's, some, there's been some really personal stuff that God has supernaturally and miraculously delivered me from. And it may be that in time I share that I'm just unpacking some things right now and it, it is really personal stuff. Um, but I just feel that I'm not struggling anymore. I'm not struggling to get in his presence. I'm not struggling to, to, to have the joy of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that was another thing. I was getting weary. I was really weary running with these weights around my ankles and I didn't realise it. But now I've stepped into this whole new freedom. It's only now I can see how before I was getting weary with trying to do what I was doing and be who I was being and, and often doing that in the flesh rather than in the spirit. Um, the last thing Pastor Peter said to me was he looked me in the eye just before I went <laughs> and fell quite nicely, thank you. Um, he said, Claire, it's a whole new day. And, and it was a whole new day, but do you know, it's that key... It's now in my hand and now every single morning I'm getting up and I'm going, it's a whole new day and I'm declaring freedom on myself. And I think that whatever it is that God's done in you over last week or whatever, just keep getting hold of it and declaring it and declaring it over yourself because it's now our responsibility to keep a hold of that. Amen. I better stop preaching. (laughs) I'm doing a good job. No, it's good to hear. It's good to hear that. Things are breaking off people's lives. Like I say, you may not know what is being, or what has, or is being broken off you, or what is changing at this point. Don't worry about that. Just, you know, if you have a sense that something has begun, stick with that. Words will come later. Full explanations will come later. But it's important that you partner with the Holy Spirit now. Recognize something is changing. You may not have the full testimony yet but you must work with seeds when the holy spirit works he deposits seeds you then have to water them recognize you've got seeds and water them amen and as you begin to water them you'll see the holy spirit working when i first went to malaysia in 2000 i had a bag full of seeds not a seed had a bag full of them and i'm thinking what do we do with these and Over that period of time, I've just watered them and watered them and nurtured them and taken care of what the Holy Spirit started in me. And and this is where my life is today. I'm still watering those same seeds. And what I found now is that God keeps bringing more seeds back. And then God gives those same seeds growth. Yeah, God doesn't grow you. You grow you. Listen to what I'm saying. You partner with God's word, right? You partner with God's word. You do that. You do that. That's why the parable of the soul was all about what men didn't do. Yes? But when you work with the seeds, God's word works in you. God's word is waiting for permission by you because you have got free will. God doesn't override your will. A prophecy will not work if you don't work with it. So last week you're receiving prophecies and some of those words were outstanding. Outstanding. I mean, you, I know you thought I'd spoke to him. But please, please hear my heart. You're not that important. For me to go to him and say, now remember the girl on the back row. She's got mousy coloured hair. Well, that's, there's a few of you. You know, and the guy with, with, with a funny looking face. You know, or the guy without the beard. Or... Is African. Well, there's quite a few Africans in it. Do you honestly think I'm going to give him that description? That would be lies and deceit. 
He says to me, what's the protocol? I said, there's the microphone. Do what you want. That's the relationship we have. That's the freedom I give him. I don't give that with everyone. But I knew I can trust him. I know he's a man of the spirit. Some guys carry a good word. Other men carry a move of the spirit. And Peter carries a move of the spirit upon his life. And you can see that. And that's why when you see that move upon upon the spirit upon a person's life, they can almost say, almost, hear what I'm saying now, hear what I'm saying. You can almost say goosey goosey gander. I said almost, don't think of it as heretic. I'm not saying that's the gospel of goosey goosey gander. Very often, it's the simple things you say. And when, that's, when, when the move of God is on you, you can do incredible things. That's what you can do. The spirit of God within you. You don't have to preach homiletically. You know, in the book of Thessalonians, and it says this in the Greek, it says that. That isn't going to reach anyone. But the presence of God will. So when Peter preaches, very simply, he's telling you the things you've heard. He's telling you the things you've heard. Now, the prophetic words that some of you have received, you've had words, you've had previous words, Backing up what's been said. Can I hear an amen? Now, for some people, that might have been your first time. But let me tell you now, let me prophesy to you, it won't be your last. You know, as a pastor, sometimes it's not always easy, it's not always easy prophesying over his people. Because he knows them well. Yes? So when, when Peter comes in and just prophesies over people, I'm just sat there going, yeah. Go on. Slap him. Give it him. Kick him when they're down, Lord. Go on, Holy Ghost. Get in there joking but it's so good to hear when a man of God hits the target Carol and I look at each other and we say yeah well Lord thank you thank you for all years of labor you know and we always say this humorously he said it and I say it when I go into his church he says it he says why is it I, pre- I preach for weeks and weeks and weeks you come in one minute and you look like the hero he comes in I've been laboring and he looks the hero guess what we are heroes we labor and labor and so one day God, one man sows, one waters, God who gives the increase. It's God who gives the increase. Don't get jealous, Tony. You get jealous, the Holy Ghost will back off. So we just like what God was doing and is doing and will continue to do. But those words, I, I want you to seriously, seriously be mindful. You must, must plant them. Now, you can't make them happen tomorrow. They're not going to happen tomorrow. So whatever was spoken over you will not happen tomorrow. You know that, don't you? Why? Because God's just giving you a glimpse of the movie. This is showing on cinema one. There's going to be action. There's going to be romance. There's going to be all that kind of stuff. But you don't see the, the tears on the snot. Why? Because he knew you wouldn't buy into that deal. But it's still the same movie. True? You know, you never have bought the Titanic if you knew it sank. But you loved it for the romance scenes. True? When Kate Winslet's on the front there and the music's playing, you think, wow, isn't that beautiful? I want to go on that ship. No, don't. <laughs> oh, I just want a man to hold me in the front of the boat. Well, pick another boat. Don't go on that one. <laughs> you pick that scene, you think, oh, isn't that wonderful? But then right at the end of the movie, it sinks. And every time they make that movie, it still sinks, doesn't it? Jesus, in Matthew 3, verse 16 and 17, an important scripture for us to note. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at the moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lightning on him. And the voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him, 
I am well pleased. I'd have loved to have heard that voice. I wonder if it was like a, a Richard Burton voice or an Anthony Hopkins voice or Charlton Heston. This is my son. You know, real deep or a Morgan Freeman kind of voice, you know. I would love to have heard that voice. But you know what really took place here? It says, and as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out the water. And the moment heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. And, and lightning on him, lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. This was probably one of the most powerful events in Jesus' life. You say, well, Pastor, why is that? Why is the... I didn't say it was the most. I said one of the most. You say, well, what about the crucifixion? What, uh, what about the resurrection? What about the miracles? Yeah, and all those, you know, I, I, I speak for themselves. But the reason why I say this is one of the, the most powerful times. It's because for two reasons. Heaven spoke. When you got baptized, did heaven open and speak over you? Well, I didn't hear it when and I got baptized. I just heard the sound of water. And when it came out of the water, I heard the music play. I didn't hear heaven say, it's him at last. We got him through. I didn't hear that. And by the way, we are going to be opening up the baptistry again for baptism. So if you've not been baptized and would like to be baptized, we are willing to put you under and bring you out. So I know there are uh, one or two who has not been baptized. So if you'd like to be baptized, and you should be baptized if you've, been, if you've professed faith in Jesus Christ, the next step is to be baptized. Why? Because it's, a, it's symbolic of your old life. As you go under the water, that's dead. The old you is gone. And as you come out the water, you're symbolizing this is my new resurrected life in Jesus Christ. This is what I want my life to be. So you're now symbolizing the new life in Christ. Your old sins have been washed away. Your new life is now fresh. You've got a clean slate. Amen? And Jesus had to go through it. If Jesus got baptized, you and I must be baptized. Amen? And the Spirit of God rested on him. Wow. I mean, this, the whole Trinity was involved, wasn't there? The Father speaks, the Holy Ghost rests, and the Son comes out the water. All three are involved. People say there isn't a trinity. Take him to the baptism. Show him. Just because it doesn't say the word trinity, you can show the function of the trinity. Heaven's open. Father speaks. Son's in the water. Holy Ghost rests. The dove is the Holy Spirit. It wasn't a birdie in that sense. And here he is. He says, this is my son. He was, he was identifying. That's my boy down there. That's my boy. When the Holy Ghost rests upon you, and when, he, when you open up your heart and the Holy Ghost comes upon you, he's saying, this, these are my people. This is the church I love. This is the church I want to work with. Now, what we want the Holy Ghost to do, we want him to rest on us. We don't want it to just be a one-minute fling. We want the Holy Ghost to rest on us. The heavens are open already over us. Hello, church. The heavens are already open over us. We've heard the Father speak many times to us. True? The Holy Ghost is, we know the heavens are open. That was declared. So we don't have to struggle, push, push. You know, some of our songs will have to change because we sing, some of the good songs we sing is open the heavens, Lord. Well, they're open. So when we sing them, don't get, well, it's not doctrinally right that now. You're right, we've moved on. We're not asking for the Holy Ghost to open the heavens. We know they're open. 
Our job is to keep them open. Amen. But the issue is, is when the Holy Spirit comes, we know that the heavens are open and the Holy Ghost. Now we are at the point now where the Father spoke, the heavens are open. We're at the point now where we want the Holy Ghost to rest on us. This is why it's critical for us. And here's the word, here's the key thing. Listen, when the Holy Ghost rested upon him and God spoke, what did he do? He validated him and affirmed him. Every father needs to affirm and validate their own children. I have to say to Scott and my children, you're loved. If no, if no one tells my children, have they got to make up their own, their own mind? Fathers tell the children how much they love them. The father in heaven is trying to tell us how much he loves us. Amen. Oh, the babies are crying. <laughs> the father's trying to tell us, church, I love you. And last week when the Holy Ghost came, he was just trying to reaffirm to you how much he loves you. You've been struggling with all kinds of things. You thought, my life's over. God isn't going to trust me with a prophecy. God isn't going to do this with my life. God's got no plan for my life. And all of a sudden, a guy comes in and starts speaking by the Holy Spirit and starts giving you past, your present, and gives you a future, all in one prophetic word. And all of a sudden you think, God, it's not over. And God says, no, it's never been over. Why? Because you keep expecting me to come to you. It's time you came to me and realized Children go to their fathers. True? I'd never, never, ever, ever had to say to Scott, do you need some money? Scott came to me first. It's a children's thing to come to the parents and say, Dad, have you got some money? Dad or Mom, have you got some money? It's not the father's job to go to the kid and say, are you okay for a couple of quid? No. It's It's the instinct, it's nature. Nature and nurture go together. So here he is. The Holy Ghost is resting upon us. And last, last, come in, oh, I keep saying last week, the week before. I'll say last week, it's easier. Last week, he rested upon you and he gave you hope. He be, you believed that thing, this Christian life. For a minute, you thought, oh, it's wonderful. I love what the Holy Spirit was doing. And God's saying, that's just a taste, darling. You can have more. You can have much more if you'll align yourself with my will and work and push in the spirit, build in the spirit, you'll have more outpourings. You say, really, Lord? He says, really? The heavens are open. The Father's been speaking his word to you time and time and time again. See, some of you have not been hearing what we've been saying, but you got the touch and it woke you up. But the words, Father's been speaking many months before, many years before. But some of you have been sat there like, you know, he's at it again. And then all of a sudden, you get touched by the Holy Ghost, and you say, once I was blind, now I see. Oh, I love this place all of a sudden. Surely God was in this place, and I never knew it. Duh. We know he's in this place. We've been trying to tell you, encourage you, open your heart so you can sense it. And last week, I'm stood there, and I'm thinking, oh, this is fantastic, Lord. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, she needs it. Yeah, he needs it. They need it. It's great when a pastor can see See the congregation go, th- go through this. And you see your smiles in your face. Say, you know, that smile, that's a different smile. I've not seen that smile on you. You know, some of you look really, really attractive when you smile. You really do. You look better when you smile than when you're like. <laughs> Lemon-faced Christians. It's like one of those, you know. I'm here again, but I only come because she made me. You know, the Holy Ghost is gently moving. He's gently moving. He's illuminating. Last week when he, when he rested on you, your whole life lit up. Saw tears in your eyes. 
smile on your faces. And it was a proof that the Holy Spirit had rested on you. And as he rested on you, I could see that's a different woman. That's a different man. And I'd go back to Peter at the night time and say, wow, man, that was a bit of a ripper tonight. When you spoke over her and you spoke over them, man, you'll never know what you said. He said, don't need to now. <laughs> just do it. Yeah? It's just, it's one of those. You just, and you come away from your face, you come away from the front, and you get your tears in your eyes with a little smile. It's one of those times when you smile and cry at the same time. And you think, wow, could this ever be, Lord? Can you trust me again? Can my life really, really change? And the Holy Spirit says, of course it can. Get up again and have another go. Go on, have another go. God's mercy to you was that he sent and he gave you another opportunity to yield to his will. And when, I, you know, when we see people, you know, not everyone who goes down in the spirit is being changed by the spirit. Some people give courtesy call, falls. You know that, don't you? They bow and it's almost like they've learned, they've learned the response of what to do in a meeting. Just like someone shoves their hand up or some people fall professionally. But not everybody. The point, listen, if you're going to fall, get up different. You might as well stay on your feet. You're going to fall. You're not impressing me. You know? And that's why I can understand when, when he says, when Peter was saying it, when you're down on the floor, don't let him get up. Keep praying over him. Keep praying over him. Get more of the Holy Ghost. Saturate him. Smash him, Lord. Which were years ago, I would have said, kill him, Lord. <laughs> now I'm saying... No, that mercy's working through the pastor's heart now. Oh, Lord, let him back up then. Okay, you forgive him. I suppose I've got to. Lord, when they're not looking, let me go in and kick him. I'll say they just felt, I'll say they got hurt in the rush. <laughs> let me pierce the side, Lord. <laughs> They'll bleed for you, Lord, I promise. And Matthew 3, verse 11 and 12 says, I batch, I baptize. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Listen, I'm going to, re- I'm going to recorrect your false doctrine right here now. And his winnowing fork, it's not the devil who has a fork. It's not the devil who has a fork. So all of a sudden now, the man you flag is still demonic, but we, it's not really demonic, if you know what I mean. It's, who's the one who's got the fork in his hand? Christ. And he will clear the threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Last week, the Lord had his fork. He had his brush. He was sweeping. His fire was moving. Unquenchable fire was moving. Why? And he was, he was building his barn. Amen. He was clearing his threshing floor. That's why some of you felt so clean when you got up. The Holy Ghost had cleaned you out. And you think, oh God, I never thought I could move away from this. The pain, the hurt, the mistrust, the abuse, whatever it is. But Lord, I feel a completely new person today. And the Lord says, exactly. When you're on the threshing floor, that's what happens. The fire comes and cleans you. Lisa, why don't you come and give me a testimony, sweet? And then with this... We'll close. <clears throat> um, I have to give you a little bit of background first. The situation that I got pregnant in was not great. Um, and I wasn't really allowed to have the joy that you should have with your first child. 
And then when Daniel was a baby, I was depressed. Um, so our relationship was really affected by it. My mum had to give him what I couldn't, and their relationship has always been strong, but ours hasn't. It wasn't that it was bad, there was just something missing. Because at that time that you build that bond, I wasn't really there. Um, but on Wednesday night, um, after, nobody had prayed for it. It was just, I've been struggling with it for 10 years. I've wanted to fix it and I've tried everything. I've prayed. I've always wanted to go back and fix it. But I'd got to a point where it's, I kind of accepted that I couldn't because that time had gone. I couldn't fix it. I just had to try and make up for it. So I've always tried to make up for it. Um, never been able to. And Daniel's known it. But on Wednesday, I just felt really strongly after I'd been prayed for that I had to go and give Daniel a hug. Um, and as I did, the minute I touched him, there was a complete release. It was fixed totally. Um, all my guilt had gone. And he said it. He said that he felt freer. Um, and our relationship has never been the same. It's been completely fixed. But the key was, I didn't know what was going to happen. I wasn't told, go and give Daniel a hug and everything will be okay. I was just told, go and give him a hug. And it was the action that I took. And he was right across the other side of the room. It was kind of like, that's a bit weird. But I did it, and that was what set us free. And when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, you then have to act on it. You have to do something to release that power. Quickly. How quickly is it going to be? Because I won't finish. I just want to say that, um, obviously I got the email, but when we were trying to go to uh, sleep on Friday evening, and uh, I sat there and I thought, there's a funny smell, (laughs) as you do. And uh, it got stronger and stronger. And I don't know if you remember, but you remember like um, washer women, you know, did, uh, you, you know that smell that was like really strong uh, suds and cleaning stuff, bleach and stuff like that. And <clears throat> I'm thinking it's making my nose uh, sore, this smell. So I'm looking around and I thought, oh, well, and I'm like, is it my nighty? Is it? And I'm going around smelling everything, duvet and everything. I think Chris got in bed and, we, and I'm smelling his pyjamas, you know. <laughs> anyway, I, I slid down, we turned the light off and I thought, I can't sleep. It's so strong. It's, it was choking me, this smell. So I'm thinking, right, what is this, Lord? What is this smell? And uh, it was like clean linen, right? And it was like clean linen smell, you know. Um, and, I, and I just had to say, what is this? Why is choking me? We've got to do something. And he said, it's the smell of new garments, right? So that what had happened last week, we've got new garments on, which is clean linen, so the old has been washed away, which is like what Lisa's been saying, you know, and, and different people, is that we've been clothed in new new garments. And that smell, I mean, I said, I said to Chris, right, swap places with me and see if you can smell it or is it just me? So we swapped places and you could smell it as well, couldn't you? And it was getting stronger and stronger. And if I had to say, like, what is that smell, Lord? What, why is it so choking? And it's new garments. And then I remembered, you know, 
we have been clothed in new garments and that's why we all feel fresh. We all feel new. And really, this is just what you were saying about with Pastor Peter, you know, that's why he's come like to, so wherever we're going to be going next, mm. we've got these new garments on because we need to let the old go and move on with the new. And you have to think up here, well, I am a new person now. I am that new creation and it's Christ in me because that's what, you know, that's where we're going. So. 1 John 2, 20 says this, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and all of you know the truth. All of you know the truth. You have an anointing from the Holy One. What you have and what you are receiving and have received is not from a man, but it's from the Holy One. Hear what I'm saying? Everything that is deposited into our lives comes from God. Everything. But very often we look to the man. Yes? Now, man carry grace. Women carry grace. Yes? Men, you and I carry gifts. Do you hear me? We carry gifts. But listen, who's the giver? God. Now, what we do, we don't ignore the man because he pays the price. To carry the grace, to keep the grace fresh, to keep the heavens open over his own life, to keep the Holy Spirit descending upon his life, resting, takes commitment, takes obligation, yes, takes purity. So when you see men like that coming in and, and depositing, they've paid a price. That's why I love Dr. Jonathan David, because his life is totally given over to the things of, the, of God and the things of the Spirit. Amen. Don't fall for charisma. Look for God. Hello? Don't. There's a lot of men who can stand up and and keep you laughing all day long and say nothing. There's a lot of men who can preach and teach really well, but they don't carry no power. Yes? We're not looking for charisma. We're not looking for someone who can tap dance. We're looking for someone who carries God. And the world is looking for the same. The world is looking for a man and a woman who will carry God. You and I are those God carriers. We are seed carriers. And we have this anointing inside us. The anointing is another word for the Holy Spirit. He's inside us. He's inside us, living inside us. So when the Holy Ghost comes upon us, right, it witnesses what is already deposited inside there. He's put a seed, a deposit inside of you. Amen? So you water that. That The Bible says, this is a seed, it's a down payment a deposit guaranteeing of what is to come. So he's put a down payment, but he, the fullness of the Holy Ghost, needs to come upon us. Amen? So when, whether it's the, it's the new garments, we smell, we smell fresh, we smell clean, we smell the daz, you know, the daz on us, or aerial, whatever soap powders you use. It's amazing how sometimes you can, the fragrance of heaven comes upon your life. For what, for, for, for Kath, it was the smell of, New uh, linen, new cloth. For another, it might be something different. For another, it's beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for morning, instead of morning. There's different fragrances, but there will be a fragrance over this house, a corporate fragrance. But then there is individual breakthroughs that you have. What am I saying? Is we've come to a new place in God, 
Paul read to us this morning, we haven't been this way before. To open our lives, totally yield our lives to the Holy Spirit. For many of us, it's something completely new. But my friends, it cannot be ignored. It cannot be ignored. We'll be pushing in more and more into the spirit realm for the Holy Ghost to come upon us. More and more. You know what I love about this move of God? Do you know what it is? It's not about me. You're the carriers. And last week, my testimony and Carol's testimony, we both said it individually of each other. But when she, when she told me, it was exactly the same, but for a different reason. When the children were all lying out on the floor, Carol felt so thrilled. She said, this is the word she used, I felt all my babies were on the floor. Now, that's a mother thinking that. She's worked with those young people just like Delma and Jane and Shirley and all the others who have have helped them along the way, they've laboured in that field and to see the fruit of that was a wonderful thing. To see all our kids being smashed in the Holy Ghost. You know, there was a a lot of kids outside drinking WKD. But our kids were smashed on the Holy Ghost. You know what? We can never, ever deny them. Now they've tasted it, they want more. And that's what we're going to give them. More, Lord, more. And then to see the youth to see, to see, you know, the Danas and, and the Daniels and, and, and all the other guys, uh, Elijah's boys. You know, t- I said to, uh, is it Tonga, the youngest one? Tonga. I said to him the other night when we were playing football, I said, well, Tonga, tell me what was going on. And this, just, and this is what he just said to me. He said, the Holy Ghost was just going so deep in me. I thought such a mature summary of what the Spirit was doing. I said, well, what did you think? He said, oh, it's great. I just want more of it. So I'm thinking, if I pray for him now, he, or he prays for me, we've lost the car. We're going home. But these kids are catching something. They want more of the Holy Ghost. And we've got to give it them. We've got to make room for the Holy Ghost to move. And then to see, to see you guys getting touched, it thrilled my heart because my babies were being touched. I felt like, yes, this is everything I've been praying for. This is everything I've been laboring for. When I'm saying, Lord, let me kill that one. He says, no, just let, just hold back. And I said, okay, Lord, we'll do it your way. He says, you'll get your reward. What, what, work with me, Tony, work with me. And I prayed and prayed and prayed. And you know what? It's like all Christmas has come at once. To see the people being touched by the Holy Spirit and to hear these testimonies of how, you know, David and Lisa and, and Claire and, and many others who have been touched. I mean, we could have, I could have had a few more up here and maybe we might do over the, over the next coming weeks. You know, there's a few more that's, been, that's really felt the weight of God. And it's just beautiful to see, church. It's beautiful to see. I see the oil of joy upon many of your faces instead of mourning. And you know, mourning's, it, it's a deep thing, mourning. But how much more appreciative is when we pass through the period of mourning and we come into the place of joy. Only God, I mean process, time and process and God helps us through that. But thank God that we're, we're you know, there's, I feel a wind of change. I mean, I spoke to the, the change, uh, the play, what we call the place changing room, which is where I get the group of leaders together. And I spoke to them about the winds of change. And that's a prophetic word. I spoke to the leaders and you know what? It's a bang on word. It's a bang on the knocker, as Peter says. It's bang on the knocker. It's a powerful word because I know what God is doing in this house. And I know, don't resist the Holy Spirit. Don't resist him. You'll regret it. It's the key to changing 
everything. It's a key of taking you from, from, from mourning to joy. The Holy Spirit must be involved in your process. He must be involved in your process. Don't lock him out. He invited him to say, Lord, today, in fact, let's stand to our feet. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information, go to www.thedreamcentre.co.uk.